necessarily going to be focusing here on verse number four. And uh, last week we had covered about uh, verses one through three about this uh, idea of in the home, the children should be spirit-filled uh, and they should be obeying their parents. They should be honoring their parents. We talked about that. And as we've been really kind of looking at this whole passage here um, in Ephesians 5 and 6, uh, the idea of being spirit-filled. And uh, without spirit-filling, you know, the we're not going to be submitting to one another is what the scripture tells us in uh, verse number uh, 21. Without spirit-filled uh, husbands or wives, you will not uh, be having the right type of relationship that you should be having in the home. And then here, as we looked last week, um, without the children being spirit-filled, uh, they will not be obeying, they will not be honoring their parents, as what uh, Scripture tells us here. And verse number four, again, it kind of really falls in line uh, with all of that. And um, instead of Paul writing, you know, verses one through three, talking about children, obey your parents and honoring your father and mother uh, that may go well with you, may live long in the earth. Instead of saying, all right, obey, any questions? What Paul does is he actually adds to this and he addresses the fathers primarily and he gives a negative command about not provoking your children to wrath. And, uh, but then he follows it up with a positive uh, command, and that is to nurture and train them in the discipline and the admonition of the Lord. And so Paul here is really trying to help the home in general to be a spirit-filled home, that both the children and the father and the mother, all of them are spirit-filled and all of them are following God's command. Um, it's interesting here that uh, Paul tells in uh, chapter 6, verse number 1, he says, children, obey your parents. But then in verse 4, he addresses the fathers. Um, now, I do believe that uh, mother and father have a part in raising and training the children. Um, but fathers, the, the primary command is for us. Uh, it's not a responsibility we're just supposed to dump on the wife and say, okay, there you go. You do it. I go to work. And so you uh, raise the children. Um, the father should have an important role in that. And he makes that uh, very clear by addressing the fathers in all of that. Um, so this is what I want you to take away with you today. A spirit-filled father is one who nurtures his children in the Lord. A spirit-filled father is one who nurtures his children in the Lord. So let's take a look here at a couple things about this. Number one, fathers don't provoke your children. Ephesians 6, 4, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. If you had 20 words to say everything that you could possibly say about raising your children, what would you say? What advice would you give? Now, although there are many books and, and articles out there that talk about raising children and, and helping children stuff, God's word gives us, inspired word, it gives us 20 words on how we should raise our children. And here they are. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, 
but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, Colossians 3.21 really kind of echoes this as well because he says, fathers, do not provoke your children. And instead of adding to anger, uh, they put, it puts this phrase here, lest they become discouraged. But in both of these passages here, the command was given to the fathers. Now, this was rather radical in Paul's day. Why? Well, because fathers had absolute authority over their families. When a baby was born uh, during that time, uh, if the father, the, the, the baby was presented to the father, and the baby may have been laying on a table or something like that, but if the father picked the baby up, that means that he approved of the baby. If he didn't pick it up, that means that he didn't want the baby. He didn't want anything to do with the baby. Um, and for all he could care, that baby could starve to death. The baby could be killed. The baby could be left out. Uh, it, it's interesting that the, the church during that time, one of the marks, the early church, one of the marks that was known about them was they took in unwanted children. And so this was very radical in this day that Paul says... Fathers, train your children instead of just leaving them without any hope in the world. And so his command here for the fathers um, is he's showing that a father's harsh treatment of his child is, is really wrong. Because look what he says, do not provoke to anger. Um, and then in Ephesians or in Colossians, do not provoke your children. Um, but he adds here, lest they become discouraged. You know, that word provoke is the kind of word that you would use when you're talking about kind of like starting a fire. You know, you provoke it. Uh, you may start with little things and then you add more and more fuel to it till it starts getting and going and, and there's a big big fire starts happening. And so Paul says, don't provoke, don't add those little things in there that would cause your child to be angry. Um, it's also kind of the word that we might use, you know, when you provoke little children. Uh, I got a kick out of this the other day because um, Evelyn was running around and uh, Jesse, uh, she went up to Jesse and said, scare me. Okay, and what Jesse did is then he provoked her, okay, by going, ah, okay, and that got her riled up, and she thought it was funny, and then she'd run away, okay, and then she'd come back, scare me, you know, that's the idea, provoking, and so as fathers, we're not supposed to be provoking our children, and, of course, Paul is using it here in a negative sense here of, of stirring, exasperating, uh, sense of, of irritating them towards anger or bitterness. And as Colossians says, lest they become discouraged. You know, a discouraged child is one who has lost heart. A discouraged child is one that has been so beaten down that he has lost hope, he's lost motivation, uh, he doesn't care anymore. Uh, one Bible translates it, lest he get discouraged and quit trying. So the idea here is that you can so beat children down that you 
maybe make demands of them that are so hard and so difficult that they become so, I really don't care anymore because I'm never going to meet up to that expectation. Um, it may be that you never praise the children or you take joy uh, in them. Maybe you live hypocritically before them uh, with higher expectations for them than for yourself. Whatever the case is, Paul says, don't provoke them in this way. Now, evidently, uh, we as parents have the ability to provoke our children because that's what the scripture says. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children. So we do have that ability to provoke our children. And so this is really a warning to say, don't do this. So how are we going to steer clear from this pitfall of provoking our children? Well, we shouldn't do things to provoke our children to anger or discouragement. You say, well, what things are there? Well, again, you can read several books. I have several books on parenting, um, several articles on parenting. And you can find all of a whole host of things uh, uh, from things that can provoke your children to things that would discourage your children. And uh, I'm not going to give you all of those things, but I came across a few of these that I thought would kind of really ring true, maybe even in my own life. Uh, maybe they might ring true in your own life as well. And if you want some more um, information, whether a helpful book or an article, I can point you to that. But here are some suggestions of things that, uh, for you to consider. And again, this is really not a definitive list. This is just a few ideas and things that I've come across that kind of really rang true with me. Uh, first one, the way that we can provoke our, our children to anger is, is stressing goodness instead of holiness. Um, we may provoke our children to anger and discouragement when we teach them to be good instead of holy. When we care more for their good behavior than their holy hearts, we can too easily content ourselves with outward moral children instead of children who are inwardly holy. Um, we can focus on bad behavior instead of the sinful heart that causes and enjoys that bad behavior. Uh, this will eventually, I believe, provoke children to anger because they are, they are having this sense that we're calling them to a standard that, or behavior that is really impossible. It's a standard that they cannot reach until their hearts are regenerate. And so we need to stress about holiness. We need to talk about holiness with your children. You need to talk about the importance of why Jesus died uh, and the fact that your heart is depraved. You need Christ. You need to be regenerate. And that's the reason why we have the law. The law brings us to Christ. It's a schoolmaster. It teaches us. But when we just focus more on good behavior rather than holiness, then we're really not helping our child. Um, so we need to help them with that. So I believe that parents that uh, try to stress more about goodness rather than holiness... Um, they're, they're missing what the gospel says and to try to help them, teach them the gospel. Pray for your children. Tell, teach them about Christ. Teach them the reason for the consequences of sin. Help them in that way. Here's another one. Hypocrisy instead of authenticity. We can provoke our children to anger and discouragement when we live with hypocrisy instead of authenticity. 
Meaning when we hold ourselves to one standard, but we will not hold them or we hold them to a higher standard than what we are unwilling to do ourselves. And I believe when we, when we do this, children will see that. Children are great hypocrisy detectors. They see it. They see right through you. And um, when we allow this, our children will see that we have no firm standard and they will come to believe that the Christian faith only calls for change in the eyes of other people and not before God. So if you are stressing you know, in your life, you're living with a hip, hypocritical life where only certain things matter, Christian things matter around certain Christian people, but then in the home, you live a completely different way that's stressing a hypocritical life to your child rather than authenticity. Um, so it's important to do that, and I believe that children can be provoked to anger if they see that in your life. Uh, we need to live a life before children in such a way that we can say, not only do what I say, but do what I do. Uh, we need to take our cues from Apostle Paul who could tell others. He said, uh, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be imitators of me as I am also of Christ. So live with authenticity instead of hypocrisy. Here's another one, anger instead of patience. This is a big one. You know, I believe that we can provoke children to anger and discouragement when we ourselves portray anger towards our children instead of patience. Where are they going to learn anger from? They're going to learn it from you, watching you, watching you as you react. Um, many people can testify that their parents used anger or the threat of anger as a means of correction and punishment. Discipline was not Discipline when it not delivered with calmness and self-control, but with angry words or cutting uh, words, okay? I believe that that is teaching your child something than what Scripture teaches, what we should be doing and how we should be reacting. Um, a parent's anger, I believe, can lead to a child's anger as well. Now, obviously, children are... Uh, should be held accountable for their own anger. But as a parent, you're supposed to be disciplining them, but I don't believe you should be disciplining them in anger. I believe it should be with patience. Um, anger, you know, can take on many forms. Uh, it can be the red-hot, volcanic, explosive, nuclear, you know, angry, cutting words. But also anger can also be cold, icy, withdrawn, I'm not going to speak to you. Um, I'm going to do things to spite you. Uh, so anger has these different, different forms. And so you should be uh, disciplining your child with patience. Uh, Paul lists, uh, in, uh, when he talks about the qualities of love in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, he begins love. Love is patient. So if you love your child, love is patient. Love is not angry. It's not boastful. It's not proud. Um, he says love is not provoked in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 5. And so we should be leading our children, shepherding our children, helping our children with patience rather instead of anger. Okay? Um, the fruit of the Spirit also includes love, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control is what uh, Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says. 
And I believe that a spirit-filled father will be developing these type of qualities. Um, one, of the, one of the hardest things that I can really attest to is when, uh, like, my child disobeys, and it's like grinding on your last nerve, you know? And what do you want to do? You want to respond to say, you're going to listen to me, you know? But that's not the correct, appropriate action. Um, we should do it in a spirit of patience to help them uh, so that we're not displaying that same type of anger. Um, here's another one. Being withdrawn instead of involved. I believe many children have experienced fathers who withdrew themselves from their lives and uh, they didn't take an interest in their life. The only time that they were involved might have been in a time of, of uh, serious problem, you know. Um, and I believe that kids can, can see that and they, can, uh, they don't really have a real relationship with their, with their children because their fathers withdrew themselves from them instead of being involved. Um, you know, the parents that I, I most want to imitate in my own life, are parents who deliberately build relationships with their children. I mean, they're, they're pursuing after it, pursuing after it. And, um, you know, they may have a vision of their own grown children, of, of what they, the, the type of relationship that they want with their children. And so they pursue after that. This is what I want my relationship with my child to be like and so I'm going to pursue I'm going to do things now here and now so that 10 15 20 years on down the line I do have that type of relationship uh, with my child and so don't be withdrawn have involvement there um, these parents who who pursue relationships with their children they give time and attention to their children while they're young they raise them with kindness and discipline they do this by holding in mind the future relationship that they are going to want to have. And so we as parents need to pursue and befriend our own children. Here's another one, pride instead of humility. I believe children can be provoked to anger or discouragement when we have pride rather than humility in our lives. Um, every generation of Christians seems to have rediscovered the ugliness of pride and the beauty of humility. Every parent needs to discover it as well. Parental pride manifests itself in a hundred different ways, but perhaps never more clearly than an unwillingness to seek our children's forgiveness. Pride convinces us that apologizing to our children displays weakness, that it gives them power over us, but I believe nothing could be further from the truth. If you have wronged your child, if you have hurt your child in some way, maybe you didn't keep a, keep a promise, maybe you lied to them some way, don't brush it off. Seek their forgiveness. I mean, they are a human being. They, they, they are made in the image of God. As what uh, Paul says in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, that we should know, we shouldn't lie to one another because we are members of his body. And so seek forgiveness with your child. Don't, uh, don't brush it off as like, ah, well, he'll get over it. It's fine. Uh, uh, suck it up. It's okay. All right. 
you should be seeking out uh, humility uh, with your child. Humility convinces us that apologizing to our children displays the greatest strength that it models the very character of Christ. And, uh, you know, we will sin against our children, but I believe that we need to seek their forgiveness and to uh, try to nurture that relationship with them. Now, there are several others that uh, I could give here, but um, these are just a few that really spoke to me personally. And uh, maybe, they, maybe they're a help to you. I don't know. Again, if you, if you want some helpful books or articles and things like this, I could gladly point them to you. But I believe the important thing is don't provoke your child to anger. Don't provoke him where they become discouraged. Seek God. Ask him, Lord, are there, are there certain things in my own life that I might be doing that I'm provoking my child to anger? And I believe God will reveal those to you if you're, if you're seeking him and asking him for, uh, for direction on that. So don't provoke your children to anger. Here's the second thing. Bring up your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. On, this, on the heels of that ex- exhortation of don't provoke your children to anger, Paul now offers a solution. So if your child is angry, if your child has been discouraged, here's the solution. What is it? Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Don't beat them down. Raise them up. Don't provoke with impatience and injustice, but instead bring them up. In Ephesians uh, 5.29, Paul actually uses the same word here, um, about bringing them up. And the word here is Ephesians 5.29, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but here it is, nourishes, bringing it up, nourishing. So for the role of the father is really to shepherd. I have a book uh, called uh, Shepherding the Heart of a Child. We are to shepherd and nurture our children. And we do this through discipline and instruction. So if the child is angry, if the child is, is uh, being provoked to anger, we stop doing that. And instead now we need to turn our heart toward our child to shepherd them, to nurture them, to bring them up in the instruction and in discipline of the Lord. Now these are the two key words here for this. Here they are, discipline and instruction. And between these two, they both offer um, instruction and they also offer correction. So training, instruction, correction. Those two words are going to help us as fathers to really help our children. Now, when you look at this, this idea about correcting, when we correct children, sometimes we think about that and we think, boy, that's really, that's, that's the negative side of it, okay? Sometimes children need to be corrected, okay? Um, and I'm, I'm going to say this, and, and this is not true for every parent, but I want to say this to you as, uh, as the congregation, as, as our, our body of Christ here together. If you see my daughter doing something that is wrong, please correct her, okay? Um, I'm giving you permission to say something, okay? Now, not every parent is like that, okay? But she needs correcting. Okay, she needs instruction. 
And sometimes that correction is with a look. Sometimes it's with a word. Uh, sometimes it's with a spanking. Now, I'm not saying you spank my child, but uh, you get the idea, okay? But you need to correct children. They need to be corrected. Um, that's the negative side of it. But positively, there's a teaching side of that. That's the instruction part of it. So there's discipline, there's correcting, and then there's a positive side of instructing your children. And I believe this is where, as parents, many times we can fall really short of because it's all about correcting, 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 correcting. But there's really not a balance of that of instructing and instructing and instructing. And so you got to have both. you got to have the discipline and the instruction in that. So let's examine these words really carefully here. Number one, shepherd your children in the discipline of the Lord. Now this, this training requires years of patient encouragement and correction. We should be training them how to deal with life's trials in a spirit of joyful thankfulness before the Lord. We should train them how to handle their emotions um, boy, I was teaching a Bible club over here at uh, Heritage uh, Intermediate School. And we had our last day. It was kind of like a big uh, hoorah, you know, a little party. We had pizza for them and stuff. And uh, this one girl, she came up to me and she goes, You shouldn't have given us pizza! And I said, Why? Because we can't behave now! And I was like, Yes, you can. You're not an animal, you know how to behave. You can do that. So we need to teach our children that, yeah, even if they have those emotions, how to use them correctly. And um, so we ought to teach them that way, using them in how to work through conflicts in a godly way, how to discipline and use their time, how to work hard, how to be a good steward of the money that God gives them. Um, teaching them how to work in this life, how to live in this life so that way they can be mature adults uh, in all of that. And uh, then on the negative side of that, there is sometimes chastisement for wrongdoing. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Uh, when, we, when we discipline Evelyn, we don't use our hands. We use uh, sometimes... Uh, spatula, wooden spoon, something, uh, because it's a rod. And so we want to use what God has given us. This is, this is what the Bible tells us to use. Okay? Um, now, this does not advocate child beating. That's wrong. But correction. There needs to be correction. And foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child and the rod of discipline will drive it out of them, okay? And I believe all correction needs to be done lovingly. It needs to be done not in anger, but in patience. That's the balance that we need to have. Secondly, shepherd your children in the instruction of the Lord. This refers to verbal correction. It means to correct or warn or strongly encourage someone to change from the behavior or the attitudes that are sinful and destructive. You know what we're doing here this morning? We are instructing. This is a form of church discipline. 
when you come, when we gather together as a body of believers, we are being instructed, we are being disciplined, we are being corrected with words. And so if there are sinful behavior, there's sinful patterns in our life, then we are being instructed and in saying, this is the standard that God has met to. And if you're not meeting up to that standard, then you're falling short. You're not following the teachings of the word. And so it's important that we instruct our children, not only just discipline, but we have to instruct them. Uh, this involves appealing to their will and urging them to take responsibility for their actions. Um, a father should admonish his children with humility as a fellow sinner who understands their weaknesses. And so you should admonish with love and deep concern for the child's growth in godliness. Colossians 1.28 says this. We proclaim him by instructing and teaching all people with all wisdom so that we may present every person mature in Christ. And so fathers, that is our goal in life is we should be, be wanting to present our child mature in Christ. And we do that through instruction. Now, I want to sum up this verse uh, and a few of these things here that we talked about by making uh, some closing remarks that, because uh, I know, I understand we got people from all different backgrounds and things like that. And so I want to say a few things about this. Number one, I want to encourage all fathers with grown children or young children to remember you cannot impart to your children what you do not possess. Okay? So if you are not walking in submission to God's word, don't expect your child to be walking in submission to God's word. If you want your child to reflect the character of Christ, but yet you yourself don't reflect the character of Christ, it's not going to happen. So start with yourself. Begin with yourself. Take the log out of your own eye first. Start with yourself. Secondly, if you have grown children, but perhaps you believe that you wasted the years as a father and did not bring up your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, or perhaps your children were provoked to wrath, or maybe they were discouraged, I want to encourage you to speak to the Lord about it. And then express your thoughts and your heart to your child. If an apology is needed, apologize. Seek humility. If there was a wrong that was done, ask your child. Ask them. Speak openly and honestly to them. Try to mend that relationship because even though your children may not be in the home anymore, I believe that you as a father still have a role in instructing and teaching your child. And it's done through things when your child calls you and asks you for advice. It's done through things when they ask you about certain things, when they, when they come over for a certain event or you come over because something happened there's still instruction that goes on. And so I believe that relationships can still be still there, but if there has been some wrongs, seek forgiveness uh, with your child. Thirdly, if you have older children who are no longer in the house, I want to encourage you as a mother and a father to teach the younger mothers and the fathers. 
we have some younger mothers and fathers here in the church. Okay? I can learn from you. Scripture tells us that the older are supposed to be teaching the younger. Now, if they come to you for advice, give it. And give it with the idea that you're wanting to truly help them grow in the Lord. And perhaps there might be some that are here that may not have children. I believe God can still use you as a source of encouragement to others by encouraging them, coming alongside, praying for them, writing notes of encouragement, helping them in that way. The body of Christ, when it comes together, we, we operate, we function as one. As what uh, Paul says in Ephesians here, it says everyone using their spiritual gift, the body grows together in love. It's edified in love. It's built up in love. And so really this whole thing about parenting, it's not just left just for, oh, there's the parents, good luck. Um, people that have had children, their children are already grown. You could be a help of a source of encouragement and help. People that may not have children, you could be a source of encouragement and help to others. And so God works all of these things together. So I wanted to give you that admonition here about bringing up your children, disciplining your children, helping you in that. And hopefully this could be a help to you. Let's pray together.